0: The following episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by gig Sky The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gage, Canna Cabana, Doer, and our newest sponsor, GoDaddy.
1: Hello, I'm Toronto Mike, producer of Humble and Fred. John Moore hosts the morning show on News Talk 1010. For a period of time, Humble and Fred had an affiliation with Bell Media and would therefore appear on roundtables uh, with John Mora. Here's a fun fact about John. He appeared on Jeopardy, but he finished last. In fact, he finished with a negative amount of money. But still, the man was on Jeopardy. Let's hear how John sounded on Humble and Fred.
0: Please welcome the uh, host of uh, Astral Radio's Jewel uh, from News Talk 1010. Really one of the bright lights in broadcasting and a guy that we used to get to hang out with and everything. But now, um, because of recent events, you know, we can't pop in like we used to. But he's making a nice... His actual first HumbleAndFredRadio.com appearance, it's John
2: Moore. Hey, John. Hey, friends. I miss you guys.
3: Well, we miss... uh, yeah, we miss you, too. In fact, I heard the roundtable, I think it was, lying in bed last night, a repeat of yesterday's with Agar and uh, the new news director. It uh, made me feel heavy-hearted.
2: Oh, gosh. Well, we used to have you guys to come in and mix it up, and now you got your own little show and a picture in the newspaper.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, were we in the Star this morning? Yeah. Yeah, it was online yesterday. Our friend Benet Menon put it up there. I'll tell you something, John. We actually had a couple people reference us in the last couple of days, that they missed hearing us uh, with you on the round table, and I tell you what, it was a great boost for us in the fall, and it's too bad that it couldn't have uh, worked out differently with uh, your company, but listen, man, welcome back to the, where have you been? I've been trying to get a hold of you for two weeks, and your phone got stolen in some foreign country, and then you ended up in Vegas. Were you kidnapped in a
2: bathtub? You know what, I wish I could say it was stolen, but it's the second phone I've left on a plane, and this time it was uh, on a flight to Costa Rica, and I'm told that if you forget a phone on a plane, you're finished. I mean, somebody scoops it up, and away it goes. They'll turn in like one out of every five, but then, you know, my, my phone is probably with the Mexican drug cartel and some headless guy somewhere. So, yeah, I was kind of off uh, off the grid for about three weeks, and while I missed you guys, I can't say I actually missed having a phone.
3: Yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's nice relief at points, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
2: You know, Jerry, uh, what is it? I was going to say Jerry Agar, um, but (laughs) he says so many things. Jerry Seinfeld always says at lunchtime if somebody places their phone on the table, they're saying, you know, I'm here for you, but something more interesting could happen any second. (laughs) No,
0: exactly. And, you you know, listen, John, you've known me long enough to know that it only took a few unanswered uh, texts for me to think, okay, what have have I done? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's true. When you saw, I was like, "John, are you there?" <laughs> and then when you finally got back in touch with me, I was so relieved that it wasn't something that you know I'd said, done, or you heard. Um, and then, and then you also texted me saying that you were in uh, Vegas recently.
2: I was. Uh, I went to Vegas. I was actually doing a corporate show, but I tacked a vacation on the front of it. And being an ex-Quebecer and a total suck, I also went to see Celine Dion. So there, it's out in the open. I saw Celine's concert. To be perfectly honest, it's great.
3: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I would do the same thing. When I was in Vegas last time, I went to see Bette Midler, and people said this. What? Bette Midler? Yeah, because the show was great. Yeah, and you like Bette Midler. Yeah, if I could get tickets, I'd go see Celine Dion, too. don't have her uh, CDs or anything on iTunes but yeah it's, I think a, it's, it's a spectacular
0: I was going to use that word I think for yeah. a lot of well again Bette is different for you because you've always enjoyed her mm-hmm. music as long as I've known you but I think the spectacle of Celine Dion must have been something what was the show like
2: well here's the deal I've seen both of her shows in Vegas and you know one of the reasons I like Celine is because when I was coming up as a reporter she was coming up as a diva and so you know I I, kind of know her and her entourage pretty well Um, the first show though was done by Cirque du Soleil and there was like flying pianos and then a woman would go by in a wedding dress and then there'd be (laughs) one of those terrible Quebecois moments because I think you guys know that in Quebec they still sort of think like the the slitty eyes for Asians and black people with big lips are Mm hilarious. So in the first show, there was a black guy, and they dressed him as like a bellhop. And I just kept thinking, guys, this is not really flying in Vegas, because he would dance across the stage, and she would sort of make the faces that Celine makes, like, look at the black guy dancing. (laughs) Um, So like this time, it's all about the song. There's almost no production. I mean, there's some really cool stunts that go on in terms of the stage going up and down. There's a water function, of course, for My Heart Will Go On. But mostly it's Celine singing, and you've got to hand it to her and Renee and the people who put these shows together. They know how to pace themselves. They know when to have a slow song, just Celine and a guitar. They know when to bring some guys out to play, like, um, you know, Michael Jackson on three different cellos while she's off backstage getting a new wig. So the whole thing really works.
0: I have a question because, you know, I, get, I think you've seen a lot of live performances. You know, she has a lot of shows in a, in a fairly short period of time down there this seems maybe silly is she singing all the time or is there some kind of backing I mean on some of the tougher songs is she getting some do you, do you know what I mean do you yeah, get the no, sense know, she's absolutely. doing it live to the air
2: And to be perfectly honest I know for a fact that she never fakes it um, they never wanted to have one of those Saturday Night Live moments or, or anywhere else happens on the Grammys once in a while where somebody will be caught lip syncing or with an enhanced vocal track. So, not only does she do all, all her own singing, but I have to say she's pretty honest about never phoning it in. And I guess we were kind of lucky because we were there on Renee's ticket. And when we sat down about two minutes before the curtain was to go up, in walks Renee and sits down directly behind us. So, um, you know, maybe she was turning it on a bit because she knew he was in the audience, or maybe. Maybe it was just another great
3: show. Renee and Howard have something in common, actually. What do you uh, think was it that we're both French 70? Canadian?
2: We're both. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, John. <laughs> what
3: did he say? He said they're both
0: seventy. <laughs> no, I was, <laughs> no. was going to say they're <laughs> both. They're both uh, Quebecois entrepreneurs. No. What do you mean, Fred?
3: Although, isn't the age discrepancy between him and Celine even wider than you and Amanda? Uh, maybe. How maybe. old is Celine?
2: It's 26 years for Renan. Oh, oh, see, there you go.
3: That's I'm nowhere he's near a,
2: that. Well, you know what creepy. the rule is, right?
3: <laughs> he's that's he's creepy. creepy.
0: That's, that's funny. Just 25. <laughs> it's funny, because last week there was a story about Brian Ferry and his new uh, wife, and there's like 37 years right. apart. I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's like super creepy.
2: Well, what you got to do, if our memory serves, is you take your age, cut it in half, and add seven, and they yeah. can't right. be younger than that.
3: Hey, oh hey. Well, yes, they can. <laughs> John, if you... If you had to pay for
2: those tickets, how much were they each? Uh, probably about 400 bucks a piece. Wow.
3: wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Did you have the chance to see Beatles love- while you were there?
2: I saw it the last time I was in Vegas. For a guy who doesn't great. gamble, I'm like real old United Church on this stuff. I don't gamble at all. So you mean? It's weird that I go to Vegas as often as I do, but I saw it and it was great. Although it does have like flying pianos and what's with the phone box.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're saying. You, you,
0: how much did your tickets cost for that show?
3: Uh, around a hundred bucks. It wasn't bad. Now the four hundred dollars mm-hmm. uh, section aside,
0: you know what? I think most people would pay. I would pay a hundred dollars to see that Beatles show. I think yeah, same as going to see a show mm-hmm. on Broadway. I, I understand why they're so expensive. I just don't get the people that. I mean, I guess if you can afford a four hundred dollar ticket, mm-hmm. is it? Does it give you? Were you, were you that much closer?
2: Uh, yeah, actually. Well, I mean, we were sitting in sort of, like I said, Renee's section, which is, uh, I guess, what, in the, in the, in the M's? Because that's the sweet spot when you go to a concert. Uh, and when Celine came out, she does this stunt where she's singing on stage, and I'm thinking, wow, she's kind of blurry, and that dress is ugly. And then all of a sudden, a spotlight comes up, and she's standing three meters away from us, and what was on stage was a hologram. Come on. Yeah. And then she said, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Holy
0: cow. Yeah. That's the uh, voice of John Moore, who is a uh, bright light in broadcasting. You hear him on the news talk. Um, the only problem with your show, and we've said it to you in person, so I don't mind saying it here, is that there isn't a lot of opportunities, enough opportunities, for you to kind of you know, go uh, a little longer. Although I found that the section with Tori at 6.17 or yeah. so, and then the round table at 7.45 or Two places where I know if I tune in at those points, I'm going to hear a little bit more of you. Is it gonna get to a point you think where you'd be less of a traffic cop and more of more of you? Is that a fair question?
2: Yeah, no, it's a completely fair question, and believe me, it's an argument we have all the time. Uh, it's tough, because you know what, a morning show, as you guys know, is so different from the rest of the day's programming. And we have to get through so much, I, ca- I call it stringing the pearls, or stringing the beads some days. I mean, there's the news, the sports, the weather, you've got to give the time, the temperature, go to traffic, um, there's obviously the commercials. By the time you process all of that stuff, and then you keep repeating and teasing other parts that are coming up, or whatever, um, there's not a lot of time left. So. I like to kind of serve up McNuggets, I guess, and I figure that if you want to know more, you'll listen through the rest of the day. But, you know, I always think also that if you can't get what you need out of, like, a politician in two and a half minutes, then you're not doing your job.
3: Although preparation that way has got to be more difficult than if you had more time, because I guess in the morning you've got to sit there, see what's on the table, and then just go for the jugular, just... What matters.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I compare doing the show well, I mean the expression I used to always use was it's like getting into a moving car. Yeah. And some days, you know, I only get the foot in and I'm dragged behind it for two and a half hours. Um, but yeah, I, the other metaphor, if we want to get all silly, is I say doing the show is like flying a plane and doing air traffic control and uh, being the stewardess at the same time. <laughs>
0: thank you, John Moore, metaphor machine. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I just realized yesterday we had uh, your competition on on the from the fan five ninety Sportsnet five ninety McAllen. And today we have uh, John Moore, uh, who used to do afternoons. And the reason I thought of it is I used to love your opening essay or whatever you would call it, because John would come on, and I just sat there and listened to him for 12 or 13 minutes. And it was, you you know, whether people agreed with your politics or not, I always found it fascinating that, like McCowan, you're able to weave that many minutes together where it's just you talking about a different. You know, subjects, things coming up, you might weigh in with a thing or two. Do you miss that, though, that ability to just kind of let something go for a few minutes?
2: Yeah, and for two reasons. I mean, that was what you were hearing there was, as you know, I'm an avid cyclist, and that's where I do all my thinking and my writing. And even though everything I do on the air is off the top of my head, what you'd be hearing there was the or you know the result of four hours of thinking before getting on the radio, and so I miss being able to freeform like that. But I also miss having that much time to actually formulate my opinions and you know come up with an articulate way to express myself. Because by the time I used to hit the air, I mean originally I was on at three, then it was at four. But you know I'd, I'd been able to read the morning papers, go for lunch, think about it, take a bike ride, and so yeah, I, I miss that. Also miss the hours for Pete's sake. I mean yeah. afternoon radio is a blast.
3: Yeah, you know that's the fun. Thing thing about this yesterday we had mccown on and he was on what for the better part what 20 25 minutes we didn't talk a lot of sports we talked a lot of american politics and i think he really enjoyed showing that side of him and being the guy being interviewed as opposed to the guy doing the interview?
2: Yeah, well, not to do too much of a you know commercial for a rival, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a big sports guy, and I can listen to McCallum because I find him interesting. I mean, he, but Jim Richards does a similar thing, because he used to work at the Fannie, remember? Yeah. He used to be a sports guy. Um, and on News Talk 1010, I'll be listening to Jim, and he'll be talking about a sports story, and I don't know anything. I have I'm almost no comprehension of the personalities he's discussing, but I find it interesting. And with McCallum, too, it doesn't matter what he talks about, I find him interesting.
0: I said the same thing about the way Fred delivered sports on The Humble and French. Show for years, because I do like sports, but I happen to hate sports guys. And the way Fred delivered it was kind of a you know personality first, and the scores. Second, in fact, sometimes I don't think he would even get to the scores; he'd be doing some riff on something. But listen, John, we don't have this. Isn't your feature, Humble and Fred interview? This I just wanted to call you because you texted me, and I wanted to say hi to you on the day that we uh, left the uh, astral possibilities behind. Yeah. Is there any sadness in the building? Tell me the truth. Well, Are people yeah, walking
2: around all long faced? Well, no, I I can't, I can't say that like everybody was dog today. But I mean, it was confirmation of something we knew was coming, and I'm just disappointed because I wanted you guys in the family, but I also just want you guys to be happy and successful so there you be well great john moore
3: of course you have to come in here one day you have to see the studio and sit here and then uh we can really air it out i'd love to thanks
0: Mm -hmm. john okay man thanks john john moore news talk 1010 he does the morning program uh we've also got uh, another former morning guy here jeff Lumby. i actually was going to ask john about his routine but when you jeff recently i wanted to ask this about jeff is that jeff was one of the most prepared morning guys I ever knew about. I thought you and I put in a good, you know, put in a good effort, but I always thought you got in way, yeah, early, I like to get in way earlier yeah. than me and right. Fred. And we weren't we, knew, we weren't showing up Mad Dog Styles at 5 to 6. We were—we got there at 4.30, quarter to 5, but you always got in really early.
4: Yeah, okay, but here, here's something for you. Uh, filling in at, at, at Chime, so uh, John Moore's new producer, uh, her name is Jessie. Yes. She is married to a guy named Ryan. Ryan produces the Chime Morning Show, uh, George and Tara, in uh, Kitchener. Okay. Ryan. I've never seen a producer like this guy. He is in at 3 o'clock. And I got in at like 4.15 for five, 5 o'clock. And this kid has got yards of show prep. Everything. For, I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Wow. Right.
0: Could you get that kid to call Kinga <laughs> yeah. and see what he's doing during the show? I bet you that kid's not looking three up. 3 o'clock. I bet you he's not looking up what my blues
3: name is you Couldn't know um, a mutual friend lori love who yes. co-hosts mornings at uh, at uh, easy rock in st catharines yeah she always says that about Jeff Lumby. She always she learned so much from you when it comes to show prep. Yeah, in being ready for a show.
4: Yeah, you got to be in there early. I, you yeah. know, I just found that uh, it also just opens the eyelids a bit, and uh, you know, you get uh, uh, comfortable with the news mm-hmm. of the day, y- and you bring in. You know, mm-hmm. you always bring in your own stuff, and you were good. Well, at we this were too. Uh, listen, you uh, you bringing we, your own stuff. When we
0: walked in, when we went on the air at five thirty, we were in there. So I was in there with uh, Freddie somewhere between four forty-five and five. We really didn't start the show until six something really yeah no. you're just kind but, of opening up the but, but we were chords. always prepared and by the way i gave jay a shot i always joke about mad dog because i was doing this morning show at boom and i'd be sitting there at five thirty-five or five forty, and he'd walk by me with his tray of uh tim's i go hey morning morning bud <laughs> you know because i'll yell hey didn't your show just start 10 minutes ago
3: yeah. but when you're doing a show like a two-person show i mean a benefit for you and i we have the same sensibilities the same sense of humor we know what stories we both would want to talk about so we never there was never that sort of uh fence to climb yeah we we, just always in the same yeah we have the same sensibilities
0: and we have it's it's like a mood ring who's more frustrated day to day (laughs) um Mm, can you just (laughs) (laughs) okay you have to tell me Hmm. and i want everyone just no don't everyone jump in on this you just have to tell me what you told me, but what you have that? to tell it to me word for word the way you told me what you did last night. please. Oh. And please, when you're finished, just let me jump in. So he, he said, uh, some, we were doing a lot of stuff this morning. He got in before me, and I had to go and get the computer, and then I was a little off, and he's a little frustrated. But all of a sudden, he looks up with this like sweet look on his face, because we've been like couldn't get this to work or where he couldn't get the phone to work but in this sea of frustration he looked at me and it was weird because he looked up and looked me in the eye and said this
3: i was working on the computer last night and delise went up and got into bed and was sitting there watching television and i walked up into the room and i licked her forehead (laughs) And I said to I him, you, I know, just gave her a big lick of the forehead, and I
0: laughed and yeah. smiled, and? and I said I did the same thing last night, except for <laughs> Delise substitute girlfriend for forehead substitute vagina, <laughs> and I said then it's exactly the same thing I did. That's that's respectful, nice. <laughs> see that's you don't really. I start at the forehead, yeah. <laughs> and see where I'm at in the relationship, man. I'm. I'm going south for I'm going down south right away. What, are, the, you a, oh. I, what are you a dog? A dog that does that? Who likes to you have to understand that he was so sweet the way he told me because we'd been here he did this interview and talked and you know we were I was a little frustrated. He was frustrated we couldn't get the mute button. But the way he looked at me
4: Did you hump her leg afterwards? <laughs> oh, <like laughs> no, here's he the just thing. looked
0: at me with such a angelic look
3: on his face. I was so tickled <laughs> by it. I can't he, tell you. Here's the thing.
2: Yes when people
3: because I deal with this all the time because my wife, yeah, she's a very beautiful woman. And people... I've heard it over the years. How did you end up with him? Yeah, I Fred, how did you catch you. that? Well, she... Ha- has always said because Fred always made me laugh. That was the attraction. So I still I can still make her laugh. I can. So every so often I like to do something
4: stupid, crazy, wacky. Take your, pant- take your pants off and giggle time right away. Right <laughs> away we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Lumby's uh, wife <laughs> is also very beautiful. Yeah. But I will say this: as many times as she's been, you know, he's been asked, "How did you ever, you know, bag that one?" How, it, it, it's a thousand times the other way Where people saying, What are you doing with him <laughs> 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 Julie you're so sweet And I so know. even I What know. are you doing with him People think I have photos yeah. Well listen I've been your friend since uh, I don't know Very 70. long time And I Listen you know what I love the shit out of you. We were at a bar one night with a bunch of each other, and we started arguing, just the kind of arguing you do when you've known somebody for 30 years, and we were joking back and forth. We, I guess there was about five or six of them. It got loud. It, it did. got loud, and we got kind of, you know, a, a little bit- Well, you're bit.
4: a douchebag, that kind of thing. Yeah, back, and, uh, as, <laughs> as
0: only you can, yeah. you mm-hmm. get very, very personal and hurtful. Mm-hmm. And Nazi this, Jew that, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> oh.
2: And the next
0: day, the <laughs> next day, one of the guys there that didn't know you said to me, what was wrong with that guy? Like, and I said to him, What do you mean? He, goes, he really it? hated you. You know, he said, You, and both of us, he goes, well, you guys are really going after it. And it was funny because mm-hmm. I had to think for a second because. I didn't it's know. Just what they, I didn't know what he meant. It's commonplace. And then it went, oh, that little, <laughs> that little show. And then I thought about <laughs> you and I and Fred golfing this summer. And at some point, oh, you were, you don't you, bring you, that up. You lost your fucking mind. Uh, and then Fred and I were off to the side of the fairway, we're about the twelfth hole when you would announced, "Okay, I'm
4: quitting." Wow. Well, and, and Fred says and I to said, me, said,
0: he says, is, is he for real?"
4: No, I said, is he serious? Yeah. No, I it said, was is that just a bit? No, it was a little drama queenie. I mean, I, I couldn't even see, I
0: couldn't even hit the ball. It was like, uh, what am I no. doing here? So, hey, I know. you I know. want to talk about Canada ball? We were we played golf with Moore this summer, right? And it was like, and I've been I've been around the game a long time. I never saw anything like it. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. And he and he, I would say this to him, it was. We didn't realize how new a golfer he was. Okay, but that, you know, there's oh different
3: levels there. Somebody at Howard's level can be aggravated by somebody that doesn't hit the ball. Somebody at my level, it's reassurance that I'm not the worst. <laughs> Fuck, I love this. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy this day because I'm not the worst. Yeah, but you both know how unaggravated
0: I get nowadays. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, I'm saying uh-huh. I used to get aggravated at myself. You never let I'm, me play the national, but I would. I let Jeff play. You never let me. Um, What's that all, about? but no, wait a second. That's a separate th- issue. Okay. But I never have ever been aggravated at other people. Uh, no, their
3: He's the best guy to golf with no, on the I planet. Know. I haven't. I know. I'm, I'm just. Are you just, doing? I'm just laughing because Howard took me to the national once, but to have lunch, I <laughs> did. I wasn't allowed on no, the course. I said to him, "You won't have
0: any fun playing this golf course." You, I took a, probably a couple times. Yeah, and I did okay. It, I, you know, and I'm, you did okay. But I, we, we, we always went into it knowing that okay, yeah. listen, this is going to be a, an experience. We'll be picking up the ball a lot. Yeah, so I said that type to him, "We're going to be picking yeah. up a lot of balls, and you know, I've got lots of extra balls. Even brought you a a." Gimmicky sandwich once. Right. I said here, use this because mm-hmm. it will help you get out of the sand.
4: But no, the only time he's really been gets angry is at a, like when he you know ground down the five. Yeah, we all heard that story. Uh, I don't know if we have. Oh yeah, well, we, well, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, many times. Yeah. I've told it. Yeah. Tons. Okay. Well, right. um, but that was when he was mad at himself. Yeah. Right. Never, I, but I've always like
0: I I even that day with John, I I felt bad for this guy that was joined us up because I I knew instantly as soon as I saw John take a swing that we were in for a very long. Oh, run. But who,
4: could you know. not uh, pull him aside and say we need to be picking that ball up after say seven or eight? No? Yeah, I think he was pretty. No, he was great. great.
3: And, you know, he was a bit sheepish. He felt Mm -hmm. a bit embarrassed. But it was a great afternoon because he's an interesting guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Saturday night, and I can't remember the kid's name. He's the golf pro at Port Carling Golf Club up in the Muskokas. I know the course. I don't know him. And he knows of you and your game. And he played the National a couple of times. and was telling me how difficult that golf course was. It just drove him crazy. But he remembered going there, and you were quite the star there at the National. No, well, he won the amateur oh, yeah. once. No. And yeah. some of to- the rounds that you shot there, and he couldn't believe that somebody could shoot in the 60s at that golf course. Well, it happened, thank you, it happened so rarely. The
0: first time I did it, they literally, I'm not joking, it sounds like a joke, but they bronzed my scorecard, because oh, I really? was one of the only people to shoot in the 60s at that golf course. And it was from the back, back, back that, tees, right? Yeah, that yeah. year. In fact, it was great, because when I was playing with my father, uh, and on the way to the course that day, I said to him, we had this conversation about, you know, difficulty, and I said, you know, the sad part about playing the National is because of my handicap, I'd, if I played anywhere else, Port Carling or wherever, I would shoot fairly regularly in the 60s, not all the time, but once in a while. You know, I'd be under par occasionally. And then that day I shot 68 for the first time. And uh, we were in a foursome, and it was like, it was surreal. The last three holes, no one spoke to me, and mm-hmm. until I finally hit the fairway on eighteen, and they were all like, "Ah, oh, you know," I started. I could see mm-hmm. they started. It was like watching a it's no like hitter. A no-hitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no one spoke because they didn't want me to get you know nervous or whatever. And I was nervous because I, I knew I was under. How par. did you do in the last three holes? I finished uh, par par birdie to shoot 68. Anyways, it was the, the part about my father though is it was great because he signed the scorecard, and so now I have this bronze scorecard with my dad's name on. it. Aww. very nice. Well, it's all about the heart, Freddie. Oh, no. Anyway, I, I just well, thought it was cute. You Just, again, the reason I told the delete story is because, you know, we're here getting ready, and then the, this look on his face was so
3: yeah. cute. No, I was going to say, too, when it comes to golf, people ask me what my handicap is, and I say my man boobs. <laughs> <laughs> they get in the way with my swing. It's just. My handicap is golf. Handy- <laughs> <laughs> they just get in the way. You have nice boobs. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Listen, we got to uh, thank you, uh, Jeff Lumby. Right, from out of here. Are you uh, on your way downtown? Yes, I okay. am. Okay. Yeah. Jeff uh, Lumby from uh, Voice Pretzel. Wow. Uh, that is incredible. How did you remember that? Is it ca or dot Com. Com Okay. VoicePretzel.com. Go check out Lovely some Lovely spending of the- time with you, gentlemen. And uh, congratulations. Good boy. Mm-hmm. All the uh, happiness in the world to you. And uh, don't forget to send me that girl's uh, information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you can lose some weight. Jeff's on a uh, crazy uh, thing. He's been working out since last spring, and now he's on some kind of fast or a detox. Closing in
4: on 20 pounds. Closing in on 20 pounds. You were really fat. Yeah, I really, was. I really it was. was. It must have
3: been 20 really, pounds since when? Really f-
4: April? April? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good on you, my I friend. I had to turn it around. Yeah. 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 Well, you've done well. Stop the craziness. All right, boys.
0: Jeff I'm Lumby, just... come on. All right. Pretzel, <laughs> voice, pretzel, voice, pretzel, voice, pretzel. He's a voice pretzel. See ya. See ya. Yeah, take care, man.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay.
0: Kiss the dogs for me. Yes, he is a good boy, Sammy. Sammy.
1: Darn right! I snuck in some bonus Jeff Lumby at the end of the John Moore conversation. I'm Toronto Mike. I produce Humble and Fred. If you want to hear more of me, I host a podcast called Toronto Miked. If you go to torontomike.com and click Notable Guests at the very top, you can cherry pick an episode and just check it out. See what you think. There are plenty of Humble and Fred episodes to choose from. Thanks for listening. Peace and love. This episode
0: of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gage, Canna Cabana, Doer, and our newest
2: sponsor, GoDaddy. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and don't forget to help keep this show going by licking them. <coughs> um, liking them.